0: Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Marinero, another edition of The Sick Podcast. You can follow us on all social media platforms, whether it's iHeartRadio, whether it's Google Podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Overcast whether it's Spotify. I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. You know who else isn't going anywhere? They're here and they're here to stay and maybe even here for a long run. It's the Baltimore Ravens who took on the Cleveland Browns, a team that actually upset them at the end of September and Baltimore said, you know what? You're not going to do it to us again. And Lamar Jackson, doing Lamar Jackson things, almost 300 yards and passing over a hundred yards and rushing. And for the fifth time this season, over 100 yards in rushing. If there was one player who once again solidify, and I don't even know if he has to solidify anymore. I mean, let's be honest here. The MVP race is over. Some people thought that it was going to be Lamar Jackson versus Russell Wilson. You saw what happened to Russell Wilson in Seattle Seahawks this weekend? It's over. The Seahawks get upset by the Cardinals. A game that was played in Seattle... And if you didn't already have the MVP race going and the MVP award going to Lamar Jackson, you do now, clearly. The New Orleans Saints, they too were involved in, was it a biggie for them? Listen, they were 11-3 going into the game. They took on a Titans team who wanted to win the game. It wasn't the be-all, end-all for Tennessee because they still have the tiebreak. They still have a chance to actually get into the playoffs next week with a win over Houston. And you know what? They have a chance to get into the playoffs, even if they don't win, as long as other teams don't win as well. San Francisco, this was an awesome game. Awesome, awesome game in which the LA Rams had the lead early on in the game. And it looked like the Rams, who at times this season have meant business, were meaning business versus San Francisco. But then all of a sudden, Jimmy G started to find a little bit of everyone. And they proved to be a little bit too much for the Rams and end up winning this game by a field goal. It was Kansas City, no doubt. Mahomes and company went to work and they absolutely annihilated and destroyed the Chicago Bears, the New England Patriots, with a big game versus the Buffalo Bills who really tested the Patriots. You know, the Bills have showed us that they have one of the best defenses in the entire National Football League and they could have won this game versus the Patriots. But don't look now, the Patriots are the team that nobody's talking about, are 12-3, and they won the division, they got a first round bye, and they got to 12-3 and three by beating the Bills by a touchdown by a score of 24-17, thus covering the six and a half point spread, which was the line on the game. So those were the winners this weekend. Baltimore, New Orleans, San Francisco, Kansas City, New England. Winners for many, many reasons. One of those teams actually lost a little something on the weekend. I'll tell you who it was, but they're all winners. But of all the teams in professional sport, all of them, whether it's the National Hockey League, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL, and you you want to take a look at who the big loser was this weekend, you can debate it, but at the end of the day, the biggest loser of any professional team and any pro sport this weekend the Seattle Seahawks, and I'll tell you why. It's very simple. The Seahawks had a game at home versus the Arizona Cardinals. They had this, They had a record of 11-3, and, and they needed to win to tie San Francisco, who was 12-3. And, and if Seattle would have won the game and they go to 12-3, at that point, they're on top of the division. And they host the San Francisco 49ers next week. You'd have to think the slight advantage will go to the home team because, of course, when all things are equal, you'll take the team playing at home. What do the Seahawks do? They lay an egg. They lose to Arizona. Look, this Arizona Cardinals team, they're a very tricky opponent. We saw what they did versus the San Francisco 49ers. Not once, but twice. They kept the game very close, and they gave San Francisco a scare. Against Seattle, they gave them more than a scare. They beat them by two touchdowns. And they beat them in Seattle. And I'll tell you why the Seahawks are a huge loser. They could still win next week, beat San Francisco. At that point, they're both 12-4, and four, and Seattle wins the division. But the reason why they're a big loser is Chris Carson. They're a running back. He got hurt in this game. So guess who comes in? The backup running back. And he gets hurt in the game. So now their number one running back is out with a hip injury. He's done. Their number two running back is out with a broken arm. He's done. And now all of a sudden, the Seattle Seahawks find themselves without a running back in their most important game of the season with many more important ones lined up. Now there's talk that they're talking to Marshawn Lynch, former Seahawk, since retired, to try and bring him back. They got to do something. I don't know what kind of game shape he's in. I don't know how effective he can be. I do know this. No team wins the Super Bowl with a third running back. It doesn't happen. Especially a team that absolutely needs to have a complete game on offense. They need their wide receivers. They need their tight ends. They need their quarterback. And they need their running back. But you know what? The Seahawks have now made their way off of the power rankings list. But even when they were there, they were there because they were there. Because the record was there. But I got to tell you something. And before we enter the playoffs here, I got to tell you right now. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs. They're not going to go anywhere. I'm willing to put money on it that they are going to get bounced. You know, some people say a team that is able to win the close games is a team that can go far. Yeah, sometimes. But take a look at the... And listen to these stats. Listen to this. Baltimore, a differential of plus 231. New England, a differential of plus 198. San Francisco, a differential of plus 164. Kansas City, a differential of... Of plus 133. Minnesota before their game versus the Packers. Plus 119. New Orleans. Plus 85. Green Bay before their game versus the Vikings. Plus 47. And where's Seattle in all this? Plus 12. Plus 12. Do you know what that means? That means... That 15 games in, they score one more point than they concede on average, actually even less than that. Because if they did that every week, they would be plus 15. They're plus 12. You know what that tells me? They're a fraud. Their record... Of 11 and 4 is legit. But they're a pretender. They're not a contender. They're a pretender. So out of all the bigs, out of all the teams, with 11 plus wins, I'm going to tell you right now, the Seattle Seahawks are a pretender. They're a pretender. You know, at one point, People thought the Dallas Cowboys were going to be a contender, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to move over now from Seattle to Dallas. Another huge loser this weekend. Not as big as Seattle, because Seattle not only loses the game, they lose first spot right now, but they also lose two running backs. Dallas lost the game, they lost first spot, but they didn't lose two running backs. That's the big difference here. So the Cowboys took their 7-7 and record one week after beating the Rams and looking very impressive in doing so. But it's the first time this season they had beaten a plus 500 team. And they go up against the Eagles in Philadelphia. I have to tell you, they had me fooled. You know, you win some, you lose some. I blew it with the Cowboys. I blew it. I screwed up. I screwed up because I got sucked in with the week before. And what happens in the week before in football it means nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Tomorrow's another day. Next game's another game. Next week's another week. But the Cowboys sucked me in. You know what's you know what's legitimate in football? Legitimate is a body of work. That's legitimate, the body of work. 15 weeks, 16 weeks, that doesn't lie. One week lies. The Cowboys playing seven times versus teams above 500 and losing six of them and winning only one that's body of work. That's proof. That's proof that they're not good enough. I got suckered with one win. I'm like, wow, they beat the Rams, and the Rams are a good team. They have a good quarterback. They have a good running back. They score points. The Cowboys destroyed them. And then I got I got sucked in with the whole Dak Prescott, Cobb, Cooper, Elliott. I got sucked in with that. Those are sexy names. That's all they are. They're sexy names. That's what they are. They're not that good. What I didn't think about was when two teams with the same record play their game of the weekend, there are things you have to look at. Number one, the quarterback. This is a quarterback driven league. Who's got the best quarterback? Number two, you have to look at coaching. And in both categories, I got suckered. I thought, yeah, you know what? Carson Wentz is struggling. Dak Prescott's got got, got more this than him. He's got more that than him. He's got more nothing than him. You want to know why Wentz is struggling? I'll tell you why he's struggling. He's struggling because he, you know, the chemistry has been off with, with, their, with his wide receivers. He's struggling because, you know, he's got one wide receiver that's hurt in Aguilar. He's struggling because, you know, Jordan Howard running back is hurt. So he's lost some weapons, right? That's why he struggled for the most part. But Carson Wentz this weekend showed us by going 31 of 40 for 319 yards that he won his battle versus Dak Prescott who went 25 of 44 for 265 yards. The Cowboys... Sucked me in. They fooled me. And they're never going to fool me again. So I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. The way I told you that the Seattle Seahawks are going nowhere. I'm going to tell you right now. And you can write it down. The Dallas Cowboys are going nowhere. The Cowboys first game they play in the playoffs. They're going home. The Seahawks first game they play in the playoffs. They're going home. And if I'm wrong. I'll come on, and I'll tell you I'm wrong. But I don't think I will be. Because Seattle, I told you, plus 12 after 16 weeks, not good enough. It's terrible. It's not legitimate. And losing their first and second running back, now they're decimated. So a team that was having a hard time outscoring the opposition before just got a heck of a lot harder, they're out. Doug Peterson, in a big game, going up against... Jason Garrett, how could the Cowboys of how could I have been so fooled? How, Jason Garrett, they've been talking about his firing for the last month now, and Jerry Jones has been saying, "No, no, we gotta, we gotta hold off on the firing. We gotta, we gotta hold off on this." Uh, Jason Garrett's been my head coach for 10 years. He's been with the organization for the longest time. He played here. He was an assistant here, blah, 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 blah. We'll see you at the end of the season. He also told you he's the one who calls the shots. The Cowboys are going down, and you want to know why they're going down? They're going down because of Jerry Jones. That's why they're going down, because of Jerry Jones. Because if he would have fired Jason Garrett a long time ago, did you hear Amari Cooper at the end of the game? You hear what he said? They have a, a huge play at the end where they need a touchdown. They need a convert to tie this game up. He's not even on the field. How, how is he not on the field? But you know what? Whether it's Jason Garrett, whether it's Amari Cooper, how about Zeke Elliott? How about Zeke, who held out because he wanted that, that huge contract? Biggest game of the year for the Cowboys. For the NFC East Race. 7-7 seven and seven Cowboys versus 7-7 seven and seven Eagles. And they give the ball to Zeke 13 times. And he runs for 47 yards. He ran for 3.5 yards per carry. Really? They, they, they choked. They completely choked. On paper, going into the game, you have a Cowboys team that the only injury, the only question mark really, a notable injury, is that quarterback... Dak Prescott has a right shoulder injury, which kept him out of practice for the most part, but he was able to play. And I don't know about you, but there's one or two passes where he went downfield that it looks like the shoulder injury was not that bad. Right? Not that bad. Eagles, without their right tackle, without their wide receiver, without their running back. And to make matters worse, in the first half, their tight end, Zach Hertz gets hurt. He leaves the game. He sucks it up and comes back. But he's banged up. He's bruised and he's hurt. So Wentz can't go to him anymore. So now Wentz is going to the other tight end, Dallas Goddard. He's going to him. And Ertz is on the field basically as a decoy. He's just going on the field for the sake of being on the field, but they're never going to him. So without a right tackle and without a wide receiver and without a running back and the number one tight end hurt, Carson Wentz goes 31 of 40 and the Cowboys only pick up nine points. The Cowboys have one chance. If they fire Jason Garrett this week and they bring in another coach, they have a chance to turn things around because on paper, they got pretty big names of pretty key positions. If they don't, then my prediction stands they're going out first round. They're going out first round. Anyway, football was cool this weekend, but what happened in basketball was even more amazing. Marinero, you're listening to the sick podcast. Follow us on all social media uh, platforms. What happened? You know, I was going to go to that game in Toronto. I was going to go on Friday night. I was going to go to Toronto to watch the game versus the Wizards. And I was going to go watch the game versus the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday afternoon. And I said, Luka Doncic got hurt. I, I, I'm I, not going to go, right? And then I said, well, maybe let's just wait and see. We'll see. Maybe he's going to come back. And then they made it official that he was not going to come back. And then, you know, a couple of days before that, we find out that Siakam is hurt. Gasol is hurt, Powell is hurt. So now Doncic is missing for Dallas, and you have a very, very depleted Toronto Raptors team who Siakam's hurt, Gasol's hurt, Powell's hurt, and they they lost Green and they lost Kawhi, of course, in the offseason and all that stuff. They're no longer the team that won the NBA championship. So you thought. It turned out to be the most incredible game that we've actually seen thus far this season in the NBA. Incredible in terms of comebacks. The last time a team came back 30 points down was back in 2009. It's a decade ago. Just goes to show you, it doesn't happen every day. The biggest comeback in Toronto Raptors history was by 25 points. They're down 30 points to the Dallas Mavericks. 30! And they have on the court Lowry, Boucher, Hollis Jefferson, Van Vliet, Davis, Ananobi, Macaw, Ibaka. These guys are all, you know, in and out. They're down 30 points. Nick Nurse looks over to the broadcast team and says, I think we got a shot here. I think we got a shot here. He's saying this, everyone thinks he's crazy. He didn't just say it for the sake of saying it. He said it because he asked his team to make certain adjustments and he saw that they were responding a certain way and he saw that the Mavericks were not responding well. And so mount the comeback. Kyle Lowry led like I've never seen him lead before. He led like I've never seen him lead before. 32 points, 10 assists. 21 points for Montreal native Chris Boucher and 7 assists. Establishing himself now with injuries is an opportunity for other players. and This guy's making the most of it. And this, when Masai Jury made that trade for Kawhi Leonard, some people said, this guy's got to be crazy. Some people said that. Why? Because everyone knew that Kawhi was going to leave at the end of the season. So why would you trade DeRozan, who was under contract, could be under contract for several more seasons, for a rental? The reason being is because they decided to go for it. They went for it, and they won the NBA championship. So the gamble paid off. And even though they lost Kawhi to the Clippers in free agency in the offseason, they won a championship, and they wouldn't have won it without him. But what also came with that championship is a legacy and a winning culture. Watching that game, Toronto down 30 points versus the Dallas Mavericks, I couldn't help but think that those 22 regular season games that Kawhi missed because of load management when he was a Raptor, It was up to Kyle Lowry to step up and deliver. And in the playoffs, it was up to Van Vliet to step up and deliver. He was a key, key player for them, especially in the finals versus Golden State. That culture that Kawhi brought, he did the same thing with the San Antonio Spurs. He won an NBA championship there. And when he left there, they picked up where they left off. And they had that culture that, it, mind, they were a winning team before he got there. We all know that. They have a pretty good history. But that's what Kawhi did. And that was the most amazing game. And I got to tell you, I mean, going into this game versus the Indiana Pacers, the Toronto Raptors are third in their conference behind the Celtics and behind the Miami Heat. It's unbelievable. Uh, behind, the, behind the the Bucks. And the uh, and the Miami Heat and the Celtics. I think they're tied with the with the Heat or whatever, tied with the Heat and behind the Bucks and the Celtics. It's incredible. Who would have said that, knowing that they lost Kawhi, they lost Green, they're coming off a championship. They're supposed to be the hangover right after you win a championship. They're supposed to be that that championship that off season hangover and stuff like that. We're seeing nothing of it. And I got to tell you. How many coaches right now are better than Nick Nurse? In the last year and a half of basketball, how many coaches in the NBA have done a better job of coaching than Nick Nurse? I'll take it a step further. How many coaches in professional sport have done a better job of coaching than Nick Nurse? You remember when they fired Dwayne Casey? Remember when Masai fired Dwayne Casey? A lot of people thought, this guy's crazy. What is he doing? Casey did a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's some coaches that can take you to the playoffs, and there's some coaches that can help you win the championship. There's some players that can take you to the playoffs, and there's some players that can help you win the championship. Joel Embiid can take you to the playoffs. Kawhi can help you win a championship. Dwayne Casey could take you to the playoffs. Instead of using Joel Embiid, why don't I use a, a former Raptor, right? DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan can take you to the playoffs. But Kawhi could win you a championship. Casey could take it to the playoffs, but Nurse can win you a championship. Amazing game. Best game I saw this weekend of any pro sports. Sticking with basketball, how about this story? Washington Wizards go to Philly and they lose 125 to 108. In Philadelphia, they got a promotion right now. Second half, when the opposing player misses two straight free throws, the fans get a free frosty from Wendy's, right? So if I'm a fan in Philadelphia, I would be one of those guys that would hope that the opposing player would miss the two free throws. I'm not going to lie to you. I like my Frosties from Wendy's. In the summer, when it's hot, I go to Wendy's and I have my chocolate Frosty. I get there. They ask me if I want a small, medium, or large. I take a large every time. They don't even ask me anymore. I get there. My Frosty's ready. Large Frosty. A two-minute drive. It's done. I love it. If I would be in the stands in Philadelphia and an opposing player is going to throw free throws, I would say anything, almost anything. Obviously, racism is is off limits. That goes without saying. But other than that, it's, it's free game. So Isaiah Thomas goes to the free throw line and he hears well, he sees a fan gesturing right with with his two middle fingers stuck up and he hears him shout out effing something right which which uh, which I won't repeat right now even though I I can repeat it but effing something oh it's 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 the it's the term that you'll find in the dictionary for a female dog and it starts with a b right okay f and b what does he do? He, with two minutes and fifty-three seconds left in the game, with his team calling a timeout, Isaiah Thomas leaves the court and confronts a fan, or the fan, confronts him, and says, um, can't do that, man. He says, What do you mean, man? You know, you gotta be more you gotta be more respectful. You can't do what you're doing. You can't do that. Guy says, listen, I just wanted the free Frosty, man. He says, I get it, but you can't do that. So he's ejected, and they've suspended him for two games. Now, Isaiah Thomas says, you know what? I'm going to talk to the NBA. I'm going to talk to the commissioner. I'm going to talk to the league. As a matter of fact, why don't we hear what Isaiah Thomas had to say about this whole situation? When I miss the first free throw... And May the second, I'm running back, and a fan has both of his middle fingers up and said "fuck you, bitch" three times. So then the timeout goes, and I go on the stands to confront him. I say, "Don't be disrespectful. That calm. Be a man. I'm, I'm a man before anything, and be a fan." And his response was, "I'm sorry. I just wanted a frosty. Because if you miss two free throws." I guess the fans get a frosty. So that's what happened, and I walked back. And I told my security who it was so he can get kicked out the game because that's no way, shape, or form that that should be allowed at all. All right, so there's Isaiah Thomas. You just heard what he had to say. It's very noble. He doesn't want fans giving the middle finger And saying effing B word. Okay. It's noble. In his world, everyone goes to the game. Nobody gives the finger. Nobody yells a profanity. Nobody shouts a profanity. Nothing. And there's dead silence when an opposing player goes up for a free throw. That's not reality. Look, it's very noble what he's trying to do. But... These athletes, they're cut from a different cloth. The reason why they got to that level was a toughness and an ability, not only physical and and, and, and athletic, but a mental toughness to be able to shut out everything from the outside so that they don't get off their game. By him doing this, he has shown everybody that basketball players are bothered by this and they are rattled by this, even though by the way he did sink the second free throw. All right? He got it. But what it what think of what he's trying to say here. Think about this now, okay? This is going to encourage more fans to give the finger, more fans. To yell out obscenities. And now it's going to encourage more players to go into the stands and to confront the fans that are talking. This is not what the NBA needs right now. Now let me say this. How about this? How about if the fan would have taken a swing at Isaiah Thomas? How about if the fan would have knocked Isaiah Thomas out? How about if the fan would have taken a swing at Thomas who would have ducked and in turn would have knocked out the fan? Can you think of the violence that can come of this between player versus athlete or or player versus fan, fan versus player, and then other fans getting into it? The NBA can't have this. Although it's noble, what Thomas is trying to do, The NBA is right to suspend them for two games. They should suspend any player that's going to step up to a fan. Any player. What they got to do is they got to pretend like it didn't happen. They got to pretend like the fan didn't say anything. The only time, the only time, if it's a racist chant, that you have to put an end to right away. The NBA has to take a stance to back their players up but even at that, they have to tell their players they cannot go into the stands. Do you understand the money that the owners invest in these players and now at the risk of them going into the stands to take on a fan? It's, it doesn't make any sense. It has to stop. It, it has This could be, look, the NBA better get this right because if they don't get it right, it's not going to just stop with Isaiah Thomas. It's going to continue, and you're going to end up seeing it happen, probably, when there's when there's seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games being played every night. You're probably going to end up seeing it happen every night. And at worst-case scenario, it's going to happen once a week. And there's still plenty of basketball to play between now and the end of the season. That, you know what, this, this has to stop. It has to stop. And so it takes us to, in ending... In the show, here are NFL power rankings after 16 weeks. We don't care if you agree or disagree. Here are our power rankings on the Sick Podcast. And for me, it looks like this New England, after beating the Bills by a touchdown, are now 12 and 3. They're at number 5. Kansas City, with an inferior record of 11 and 4, is number 4 in the power rankings. Why? Because they beat the Patriots. So, for me, they're on top of them. San Francisco at number three after beating the Rams with 12-3. and three. New Orleans at 12-3 and three with a 38-28 win over the Titans. And, by the way, folks, I don't think New Orleans is the second best team in the NFL. But I do think they belong there right now in the power rankings. But they, like Seattle, will also dip because of their plus differential of only being plus 85. And Baltimore who have been number one ever since they beat the Patriots, are number one in the power rankings. So once again, NFL power rankings after 16 weeks. New England at five, Kansas City at four, San Francisco at three, New Orleans is at two, and Baltimore is at one. Marinero, yet another edition of the Sick Podcast. Follow us on all social media platforms, whether it's Overcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Or Spotify. It's the Sick Podcast. Tell your friends about it. This podcast is sick. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next week. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.